Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Well, what the, what the what? That was some kind of week one. That's the kind of week one that may, lets you know that no matter how much work you put in and how much there's just there's just an element of surprise that comes along with the territory and that's what makes fantasy so great. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Tim Petrop, of course, here with the main man of Monday Fun Day hilarity, <laughs> Michael Petrop. What's good, Mike? Yeah, week one in terms of projections are always an absolute shit show because no one really knows what's going to happen. Do you know what's crazy? Michael right now is talking into a mic, and we were having some technical difficulties with this mic, just to tell you. We probably need to purchase a new mic because Michael right now is holding the mic upside down without resting. So he's got he's going to have like the most brolic arm in the history of podcasting in a second because that's the only way the oh, mic yeah. works. Oh, yeah. That's Some, exactly what's happening. Yet somehow I can still hear those crazy motorcycles in the background that always tend to go by right when we're recording. With that being said, um, for those of you who are unfamiliar to our Monday episode, if you're just joining us this year, first of all, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Second of all, the Monday episode is the recap episode. We have five categories um, where we go over, first of all, the news that dropped, the most important storylines that dropped, and then... Uh, we go through four different categories and talk about players uh, that either won you leagues or shit the bed or have a stock up or a stock down. Uh, so each time we're going to go into a different category. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to do this today. I love particularly the news section because it's, it's, it's sometimes you miss things like you could be literally your t- your your eyes glued to the television during red zone watching literally every single game you'll still miss something. So it, the new section is very valuable. Something else that's very valuable is our patrons. And we just want to say thank you to our patrons. Patreon.com slash Fantasy is where you can find that. Our 71st patron uh, came in today. Thank you very much. We hit that milestone, a very important milestone for us. So uh, this is the highest patron patronage we've ever had, and we very, very, very much ap- appreciate that patronage because that money goes directly into... Well, first of all, probably buying a new mic now. But second, to the app. The Fantasy Football by Brodo app is exactly what you need to dominate this fantasy season. It is the only fantasy football app on the market that is updating every single week. And it is a living, breathing app, and there are so many things on it. Uh, You can get the start-sit tool player player cards that update every single week they are updated go check it out it's there's so many tools every single stat you need if you're doing any research you're like oh man what am i gonna do about x y or z who should i pick up any research you need not just our uh, interpretation of the numbers but the numbers them actually themselves the actual numbers they are going to be um every single number you need is in the app so go check that out the Fantasy Football by Brodo app is available everywhere you get your apps for free because of the patrons. So now that we've mentioned that, Michael, how you doing, man? How's your arm? Are you already you already tired or what? Um, I already switched over to my left arm. I think I'll be switching back and forth throughout the entire time. Yeah, just but put otherwise your, doing all right. Put yourself on mute when you do that because we I can hear it. 
<laughs> we also had our <laughs> first. Uh, we took our football season off last season due oh, to COVID. Oh yes. And we had our first football game yesterday, and the entire team, including myself, ridiculously sore. I feel like I'm 95 years old. <laughs> Michael will never say this, but Michael and Jason, and I'm going to give them complete props. Michael and Jason came through and absolutely dominated. Michael came off a plane from Vegas on just like plane sleep, came through and absolutely dominated the game. When I tell you dominated, I mean dominated. He returned a kick. He he scored a touchdown, two receiving touchdowns, right? A couple yep. of bo- receiving bombs, th- like two inches from a third receiving touchdown. We haven't played football in two years because of COVID. And these guys came through, and this guy off the plane came through and, and dominated. Jason got an interception, returned the interception for a touchdown, returned the kick for a touchdown. Jason had two interceptions. Jason, oh, Yeah, Jason had two interceptions. You returned the kick for the touchdown. Actually, it was like yep. you and Jason combined. Max and I. Oh, you and Max. Oh, man. That was a good game. It was a good yeah. game. And Michael and Jason absolutely dominated. Any, it was a lot of fun. You know, any trio out there? And let's make it a let's make it a quartet because you know Cass is the, is part of the team. Any quartet of fantasy analysts who think they want to go toe to toe and play an actual football game, the Brodo boys will take you on. We one thousand percent. We should yo. You know how they had the expo this year? We should legit like tag on that and be like, all right, let's everyone like give us fifty dollars and we're gonna run a a, a tournament. That would be great. Make make mad money. Word. <laughs> please, please don't steal that idea, people out there in, in in podcast land. Sure, I was gonna say radio land, but that, that that's just because I'm old. You are um, old. Speaking of old, Michael, do you know what time it is? Oh boy, oh boy, Donnie H. Donnie Those H. Stories baby. in more than just two minutes. Stay with us. Wow. Thanks for joining us this half hour. I'm Don Harrison. Around the world in thirty minutes. This is headline news. Donnie H back. That's how you know uh, it's good football old Donnie time. H. You know it's football time when Donnie H is out here <laughs> dropping knowledge. All right. So let's get to these headlines because it's already been too long to be on a fantasy podcast to not talk about what the hell happened in San Francisco. San Francisco was just an ultimate disaster of fantasy. And speaking of ultimate disaster of fantasy, Raheem Morris, this just this news just dropped a couple minutes ago. Eight weeks expected to Raheem be Mostert, bro. Who, what did I say? Raheem Morris. Oh, Raheem Mostert. Excuse me. Raheem Mostert expected to miss eight weeks with a knee injury. The implications of this injury go so far in fantasy. I don't even know where to begin because tomorrow we're going to be talking about Eliza Mitchell, who, after Trey Sermon, was an absolute shocking inactive along with Zach Moss too who's less shocking but both pretty shocking absolutely just out of the blue inactive Elijah Mitchell comes up comes through and gets 19 carries for 104 yards when they asked Kyle Shanahan about it they said Elijah Mitchell just beat out Trey Sermon in camp Trey Sermon was a third round pick Elijah Mitchell was a sixth round pick so both rookies wouldn't it be the first time we saw something like this. Philip Lindsay was undrafted and started over Royce Freeman, a first round pick. So Second, th- third. Th- I'm Maybe sorry. A third round pick. Did I say first round? Yeah. Basically a first round pick for running backs. But like, 
This is this happens. So, yeah. look, we'll talk about Chris how much Carson, Rashad Penny. The list goes on. We'll talk about how much Michael, um, you should spend Fab tomorrow on the pod on the on the waiver pod um, on Elijah Mitchell. But with that being said, we got to touch on this now. How are you looking at this backfield right now? Because this is like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, I don't want to give too much away because we have the patron podcast tomorrow, which is one of the most important and valuable perks of being a patron is the, is the uh, waiver wire podcast that we do each week because we tend to we tend to do well. Yeah, to put it lightly, it's our best. That's our best as a team. Our best attribute is the the waivers. Like we're good at that the pre the preseason stuff. Like we're good drafters, but I think our best attribute, like after now that we've been doing this for four years, our best attribute is definitely attribute is definitely improving as the year goes on and picking up these guys in the waiver wire or getting guys that are about to pop or could have potential. That's just where we all where we all excel. Okay, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Anywho. But I do think we're nice at everything else too, Tim. Don't don't downgrade the Brodo team, I'm, right? I'm, look, look. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. This is our best attribute. I'm not saying we have bad attributes. True that. But what I was gonna say is, this is why zero running back drafting works. Oh my god! Because prop- you're listen, using this time Tim, for propaganda. Listen. Using this time for propaganda. That's if what you you're doing. have. If you draft Derrick Henry in the first round. Or not? I mean, excuse me, a wide receiver. If you draft Devonte Adams in the first round and he goes down, you can't just pick up Marquez Valdez Scantling or Alan Lazard and get the same type of production. There is no direct insert, very similar production, wide receiver handcuff. When it comes to running backs, Raheem Mostert is out. Elijah Mitchell stepped in and was basically Raheem Mostert. If Dalvin Cook goes down, Alexander Madison becomes a top twelve running back. It's just that's how it works with RBs, and it's not the same with wide receivers. It's just not. It's different. It's completely different from that point of view. So if you have a zero running back type draft, week two's coming along. Elijah Mitchell could be a pot of gold for all those drafters. I don't want to get too much into it, like I said, because the waiver wire podcast will get into it more. But I just wanted to take a second to say this is why those types of drafts can work because. You take advantage of the assets that tend to pop off in fantasy football, which tend to be running backs because it's a replaceable position and injuries happen far more often for running backs. Now that Michael has filled your head with that propaganda, um, let again, patreon.com slash Broda Fantasy to get our full thoughts on the Eliza Mitchell situation and the Trey Sermon situation. But, man, sucks for Raheem Oster, dude. This guy cannot yeah, stay man. healthy. And like his, he's got his wife on Twitter. Like his wife on Twitter is making big news lately. Like first they said he's okay when obviously he was not okay now, and well that was a back injury. It's just, it's just you can't like maybe he was okay, but he's just like an injury prone dude, and it's just unfortunate because he's so naturally gifted. The dude's like he's probably the fastest running back in the NFL, but maybe yeah, the fastest player in the NFL. This guy couldn't even get through a full well, a full quarter or at least a full half. I forget if he got injured in the first or second quarter before half his season. Went down the drain. Yeah. Let's go, talking about going down the drain. 
Brandon Ayuk. Yo, what? How? Why? It's, it's, it's the question that everyone's asking because there was no indication for this. And now all of a sudden, Matt Maiocchio, who not for nothing, where was this report before you saw the results of it? NBC Sports' Matt Maiocho, I hope I say your name right, I apologize if I don't, said Brandon Ayuk, quote, tailed off dramatically during training camp and is, quote, still learning to be a pro. Where were these reports before? So I don't fully buy this because I am completely convinced that whatever Kyle Shanahan says is a lie. Like, this guy has, has proven nothing except that he's the best liar in the NFL over the last year. Like, if you just look at Kyle Shanahan's record, he just lies about everything. He doesn't tell the truth about a single thing. And now, all of a sudden, he tailed off dramatically. I don't, I don't know what to make of it. Because it's also Shanahan that says Ayuk has a hamstring injury. And you saw guys with hamstring injuries, like, say, Austin Eckler, you saw them get less work than they usually would get based on that. So what to do with Ayuk? It, it's it's a mystery. What would you do? Obviously, you hold him, right? No one's cutting no, Brandon Ayuk. that's out of the question. But it's obviously concerning because you think, oh, this guy had an injury. It makes sense for him to get limited touches. You look at Saquon Barkley, who played less than 50. Cortland Sutton was getting eased in. It makes sense for guys coming back. Hear these reports about how he's playing outplayed. He's getting outplayed by Trent Sherfield. Like, what? This is the same dude who had five wide receiver one weeks as a rookie last year, and he didn't even play a full season. Like, the talent is there. It's a very odd situation. If he has another bad week two, and he continues to be outplayed and doesn't and isn't on the field on an almost every down basis, then I'd definitely hit the panic button. Um, Very close to the panic button already because a week one performance of zero targets and zero catches is not okay. Uh, you know, when your team puts up over 30 points. Murdered me. Absolutely murdered so many of my teams. Sunk so many of my teams. So it's certainly not a not a good start for you. This came out of nowhere, honestly. Hopefully it's not like the Dante Pettis treatment. Dante Pettis never really... Proved himself to be a valuable asset. Brandon Ayuk did as a rookie. And like all the reports this offseason mainly were that Brandon Ayuk was set to become a star. And like he's looking good besides the injury and such. And it just it was very, very odd. And really hoping that it was just a one week thing to like ease him in or maybe like send a message or something. Maybe something happened in in uh, in practice. But let's be real. There's no reason why Trent Sherfield should be playing ahead of Brandon Ayuk. It's so it's just so confusing because everything you said is true, and Kyle Shanahan traded up for him and took him over stars, stars here. Yeah. So it's just like, all right. And he said Brandon, he would have taken Brandon Ayuk first off the board of all the receivers if he could. So out of nowhere, he just doesn't like the kid anymore. There, this could also be a a thing. Like I I heard on a podcast today. I think it was around the NFL podcast who. They weren't really concerned about it. They're not really in fantasy circles, right? So I like getting that outside perspective because sometimes the fantasy, the fantasy community is just too like 
I don't know. They're too reactive. So what they were saying is like Kyle Shanahan seems Kyle Shanahan seems to be a guy who like people earn their shit and they're just he's just not gonna give a young kid just like free range to just not work and then go on the field. So for example, Ayuk hasn't really been playing for the last ten days because of this this hamstring injury. Sherfield, on the other hand, has been playing and killing it in practice. Ayuk's still not 100%. Why would you just start him in a game when Sherfield earned the right to be on the field? Which Kyle Shanahan said. So it's just like, I get it from that perspective too. And if you're looking at it from that perspective, then I'm not worried at all. Then Brandon Ayuk should should be ready to go and ready to dominate week two. But there's also the other reports now. He tailed off dramatically. He's still learning how to be a pro. Is there a chance he pissed off Kyle Shanahan? And Kyle Shanahan sending a message. How long does the message last? Does Ayuk get the message? Or is he a... Uh, I just watched a, a documentary on diva wide receivers. Is he another diva wide receiver? It's it's just so many question marks around Brandon Ayuk now. And he, and he was going in as just like, oh, you know, Debo Samuel might steal some work, but it's Ayuk. And Debo, Debo ends up going off the deep end. Debo had a ridiculous game of course i just want to put this out there in my home league the one i care about the most i was starting brandon Ayuk and playing against uh debo so that was nice Um, johnny's team had quite a day oh my goodness they he went ham on me like i I don't even feel bad about like i started i started naheem hines over jamal williams because i had a birthday freaking birthday party on the opening day of the nfl don't get me started and I missed the report that Jamal Williams was going to get work because DeAndre Swift wasn't ready, and I would have started him. But it didn't even matter because Johnny blew me out. Um, I mean, he had Dak, Coop, Debo. He had another guy of, who went crazy. Of, Melvin Gordon. Big games. He had Melvin Gordon. Yeah, Melgo, 70-yard rushing touchdown. Shout out to Melgo. Um, Marshawn <laughs> Lattimore breaks his thumb signing an extension. No, I'm just kidding. No, he broke his <laughs> thumb, though. So something to look at if you were uh, – because the Saints defense – Saints defense was impressive. Same. Yeah, they dominated Green Bay in all aspects of the game. That was pretty nuts. It was quite the thing. Speaking of the Saints, Kenny Stills works out for the Saints. I don't know how much this seven years ago he played for the Saints. I don't the Saints situation right now is so up in the air. And week one did more to add questions than it did to give answers. Because everyone's if, favorite darling, Marcus Callaway, did nothing, even though Winston threw five touchdowns. And Adam Troutman, <coughs> who led the team in targets, sure. But then it's the backup tight end who converted wide right receiver that no one's ever heard of. He's catching two touchdowns. Jawan Johnson. Jawan Johnson. I didn't even remember his name just now. That's all I never. No one's ever heard of him. He was on no lists. He was on no. He started getting some late hype when Troutman got hurt. Okay, but Troutman's back now. And Troutman yeah. leading the leading a target is something, is something to consider. Well, um, Winston also, even though five touchdowns, what was it, less than 150 yards passing? It was a very, very strange um, efficient for him. Wildly efficient, but, you know, that... That's the, not typically Jameis Winston's game. The, <laughs> I mean, the, Wildly efficient no, and Jameis Winston do not go together very often. Yo, is, do you think there's something to the LASIK surgery? Do you think there's something to that? Maybe. I, I mean, it doesn't. I mean, Tommy Pham, baseball player, for those who don't watch baseball, he got LASIK surgery and completely 
became a completely new player. Like some, it's it's obviously easier to play football and baseball in any sport if you could see well. Yeah, if you could see, especially if you're a quarterback, you need to see the tiniest things. Wow, interesting. Uh, Saquon Barkley was limited in Monday's practice. Um, only ten carries in Week One. I mean, I mean, we told you not to play him. Are you playing him in Week Two? Um, I have to look at the matchup and. Uh... And things of that sort. I haven't started my week two rankings yet. I'm still trying to enjoy the Monday Night Football game, Tim. Oh, yeah, you're right. We're but, still in week one. But uh, certainly a very concerning performance from the entire Giants team. They they look like they're going to compete for the number one overall pick. Looks like Jerry Judy is going to miss some time. Um, high ankle sprain. Yeah, high ankle sprain, which, you know, when you're looking at ankle sprains, the high one is the one you have to worry about. Uh, but... At least he didn't break his ankle like Dak, which a lot of people on Twitter were just like, oh, my God, Jerry Judy's leg just fell off. Like, all right, relax. Like, uh, Tough, tough loss, though. Judy tough. was looking yeah. looking like all the hype around him was warranted prior to his injury because he was having quite a game. Six for six. Uh, catches. 70-plus yards. Uh, what a shame, man. Like, yo, we talk about this, and sometimes, like, it feels like a video game, but, like, yo, this dude is a young kid. He just had a pretty good rookie season. Everyone thinks he's going to break out. Everyone's saying good things about him. He's feeling himself. Then all of a sudden, he has to lose time to this. It sucks. It sucks all around. Yeah, he'll be back. He'll be back. Uh, Better uh, than ever. Another guy who who knows if he'll be back because he's old as fuck, uh, Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick. He's out. He's going to miss at least three that games. That sucks. Gosh darn Fitzmagic. Finally gets a starting position. Ugh. And then, bam, injury. And ta- I mean, Taylor Heineke's a, a decent player too so we'll see how that goes but it's why they signed them sucks it's why they gave him the money like they gave him a pretty good backup quarterback deal that's why they did it so they can have i mean some people were saying heineke was even out playing fits during camp so i don't think it changes that offense too much i mean obviously i think it hurts mclaurin a little bit because fits likes to sling it we'll see if they become more conservative with heineke at quarterback but i don't think it's going to be too big of a change overall uh, yeah, uh, 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 yeah. I don't know. Fitz likes to sling it. We'll see. We'll see about Tyler Henneke. Um, no reason. Yeah, we'll we'll save ads and drops for the patron pod. Um, Damian Harris. This is interesting. Mike Reese, who has a history of being good at his job, said the Patriots could reduce Damian Harris's role after he lost a fumble, which cost him the game yesterday. <clears throat> But the problem is, Ramondre Stevenson also fumbled. Yep. So what's next? J.J. Taylor, who was a week one healthy scratch. So you have two guys that fumbled in a healthy scratch. I'm Personally, I'm not scared about Damian Harris getting a, a smaller wor- workload. What say you? Damian Harris had the exact game. Yeah, you did. He did. <laughs> showing why I don't want I didn't want to draft him. It's funny. I was he did the classic like... reach 100 yards rushing, not even reach 12 points yeah. like the dude because he lost a fumble, too. So in most leagues, that's minus one or two or minus two, depending on the league. And so in our home league, he had less than 11 points in half PPR despite 100 yards rushing. And that's why I was not interested and Damian Harris, like he did catch two passes, which is nice to see. It's better than zero. He's five in his career. But man, that's exactly what I warned everyone about. And now, obviously, it's never good news to hear 
he might lose work because of a fumble. I'm I'm calling I'm calling a bluff on that one for all the reasons you stated. It just doesn't make logical sense really. And he looks good rushing like he always does. It's just he needs to find the end zone or he's gonna be a, a whatever type guy the entire season. It's gonna always be hopefully he finds the end zone this week for everyone who's starting him. And to finish it off, just to, to wrap everything up, uh, if you're listening to this before the Monday Night Football game, as of right now, Josh Jacobs has been downgraded to questionable. Um, they said he's uh, now he's on track to uh, to play. for. Uh, that's what they're saying. Okay. It's looking like he's likely to play. If you're dependent on Josh Jacobs, what I would do is I would pick up Peyton Barber. I, I know, I know it's it's yuck, but you're not going to be able to pick up Kenyon Drake. He's he's rostered. So I'll tell you one thing: I could use a big game from Kenyon Drake in a couple of leagues. So let's go, Kenyon Drake. <laughs> uh, yeah, sounds good. Um, I would love a big game by Kenyon Drake because I've Josh Jacobs was my favorite buzz of the of the year. Watch yeah. the way that my week one has been going. I feel like this is going to be he's going to put up like 170 points tonight. <laughs> All right, Mike. Let's get into our first segment. What do you say? Woo! Our first segment, of course, is the we saw that coming. Guys that we knew were just going to go off or not so much. I saw that coming from a mile away. I saw that coming. Oh, we are in preseason form and we got a replay on the first one. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, sometimes you just get you got to be quick with the hitting the play and the stop. Midseason form. All right. Uh. So, Michael, why don't you start us off? Who's your first one? The first one should come as a surprise to absolutely nobody. Corey Davis, baby. Woo! We've been yelling all offseason to go grab you some Corey Davis. And paying dividends from the start in week one. Seven targets, five receptions, 97 yards, and two touchdowns for Corey Davis. In a game where, one, Zach Wilson was rushing for his life, and two, Zach Wilson did not have that great of a game. He didn't like, have a good first half, but he, he would he look not. pretty he good in the second, second half, half, man. That's what I'm saying. Like, if it takes him a half to get comfortable in the NFL, great. Like, yeah. maybe he just needed that half to be like, oh, this is the speed they play at in the NFL. I'm with because it because he, he, he was slinging that thing. And even in the first half, he made some nice throws that were dropped. That Oh, man, that throw to Elijah Moore downfield, 50 yeah. yards downfield that Elijah Moore dropped was rough. But... Dude, this guy was running for his life almost the entire game. The Jets really need to work on that offensive line. So if you just box score watch, you might think Zach Wilson did not have the best debut. I'm a, We're Jets fans, obviously. I watched that game religiously yesterday. I did not take my eyes off it. And I am very excited about what's to come with Zach Wilson. And a big part of that is Corey Davis, who, boy, did they have that connection cooking. Because that second touchdown... Corey Davis did like a little bit of an out route. And before he even made his cut, the ball was out of Zach Wilson's hands and he hit him perfectly in stride for the touchdown. He didn't have much room to hit him and it was a perfect throw and catch and everything that was making everybody so excited. Once they started connecting the preseason came to fruition in the regular season of week one. I mean, five for 97 and two touchdowns is a glorious game. And it's just, I think there's just going to be a lot more goodness coming from, that combo this season. So Corey Davis is looking like a was looking like a great play so far this season. Makai Becton, I'm gonna miss four to six weeks. Yeah, it, it's a big loss. Big loss, but it looked like a season ender. He he left on a cart. So yeah, it's he not, ended up dislocating his kneecap. So I assume that hurt a lot. Oof. Oh yeah, yeah. Can't even imagine that pain. Um, my first saw that coming 
was a guy who I ranked as the number one quarterback overall. And that I kept on getting in the fifth round somehow while other guys were going um, much earlier. And that is Kyler Murray, baby. Four touchdowns, 289 yards in the air, five rushes for 20 yards and a touchdown on the ground. He completely dominated the Tennessee Titans, who literally looked like they were lost in this game. Um, Chandler Jones made Tyler Decker look like an absolute scrub. Chandler Jones dominated the game. Five sacks. Five for, sacks is crazy. Five sacks for Chandler Jones. The, the Titans offense could not get anything going. And on the other side, the, the Titans defense is not good. And the Titans defense got bailed out a lot because their offense is so good last year. Arizona's offense, who looked absolutely horrible in the preseason, comes out. Our favorite guy, Christian Kirk, gets two touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins, who, by the way, if every talk year... About a, talk about a sell high, though. Oh, boy, if someone's willing to pay for Christian Kirk, get, oh, get out of there quick. 1,000%. Or, like, watch someone, like, laugh at someone as they drop mad fab on them on the waiver wire. Um, but, yo, where where was I? DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, every year, like, he's uh, never in the conversation for best wide receiver. But he's always in the top five. Like, he's like, everyone respects his game, but no one ever gives him that that next level type of situation, I feel like. Like, everyone's always like, oh, is it Tyreek Hill? Is it, De- is it Devontae Adams? Uh, back in the day, it was Julio. Yo, this guy all the time just reminds you that he is absolutely unstoppable and can literally do anything he wants on a football field anytime. And he did it again. Um, great stack, by the way. Uh, uh, Clay's corner. I mean, Clay's DFS corner. Is that what we're calling it on the website? Michael, are you there? Michael. Yes, yes, Tim. You know, the fucking Mike, man. He called it's pissing me off. <laughs> he called that stack. So great call by him on the website. But Kyler Murray went absolutely ape and he's gonna continue to. Uh he was my favorite quarterback to draft. I have him in literally almost every league. He's one he's my most rostered player probably. And I passed on him in one of my, my more fun leagues for Josh Allen and I regret it because Kyler Murray is going to go absolutely ham. I hope I hope he stays healthy. But everything you saw out of uh, Kyler Murray screamed, ready to take the next step. And I'm very excited for that next step. And he hasn't even flashed his his prowess on the ground yet. So I am very excited to for the year Kyler Murray is about to have. Michael, who's your second? Saw that coming. Look, week one, you, we saw that coming. There's a lot of different options, but I'm a humble guy. And I'm a good guy. <laughs> so I'm going to shout out Jason here. And I'm going to do one for Jason. Um, Jalen Hurts. Jason really liked Jalen Hurts. He uh, kept creeping him up higher and higher in his rankings throughout the offseason. He grabbed him in uh, his his FFPC team, and Jalen Hurts had a very nice week one, 28.5 points, over 28.5 points, three passing touchdowns, 264 passing yards. And the best part about that, with, with his top five finish, he only had 62 rushing yards on seven attempts, which seems like a floor for Jalen Hurts. He did not have a rushing touchdown. Um he, he is going to have several 10-plus carry games and games with a rushing touchdown. And this just goes to show you how good Jalen Hurts can be as a fantasy quarterback if things go right. Um, things could go wrong, too. We'll see. He got San Francisco week two, I believe, which is a lot more difficult of a matchup than um, Atlanta is, who he just um, beat up in week one. But for now, very, very nice game from Jalen Hurts, and he's looking like um, – 
he's going to be a fantasy star for anyone who took him as their quarterback. Looks like looks like uh, Jason was on the money with that one because he's another one who did it without even having to really like do it on the ground. And he yeah, has like so he's much... going to have this is like his a floor ground game for him. Yeah, like sixty two yards rushing and that's it. Like Jalen Hurts is going to have hundred yard t- one touchdown rushing games. One hundred percent. Do you know who's not going to have hundred yard rushing games? Jared Goff. But I'm going on to my told you so. I'm going with the Lions. I'm going with the Lions because I've been preaching this since like June. Jared Goff was so overrated that when he didn't meet your expectations that you had for him for his overratedness, he somehow became underrated. And people are acting like Jared Goff can't like hold down a fantasy roster. Like he hasn't supported Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and a running back every single season of his life and and occasionally the best tight end run in the history of fo- of fantasy football. So it's like this guy can hold it, hold it down through the ball 57 times and it's going to be like that. He's going to throw the ball. And do you know what the most catches of any of the wide receivers in Detroit? Khalif Raymond, three for 50. <laughs> That's how it's going to be. TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, and Jamal Williams, the three guys that I told you this, this and I, I hate to say I told you so many times, but this is just what it is. The, the, it's going to funnel through these three men. And each of them is going to get at least 100 targets because they are the number one receivers as well as the backs. For in, in today's... In today's stat that doesn't really mean anything but is cool to note, Dan Campbell was a tight end and Anthony Lynn was a running back. Doesn't really mean anything, but just putting that out there. We've seen Anthony Lynn's offense before. Keenan Allen was not always Keenan Allen. There was many seasons where Keenan Allen was underutilized. And it's because Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler or whatever back combination that he had there was seeing the most, the majority of the work, and so was Antonio Gates. Like, this is a guy who funnels his offense through pass-catching running backs and tight ends. And we went over on the preview pod TJ Hawkinson and the enormous hill he had to climb to succeed in this game. He had to overcome Fred Warner, who, as at Psych Ward on Twitter, uh, our guy Matt Ward posted and wrote an article about, Fred Warner, last year when he was covering anyone, lowered completion percentage more than anyone in, since 2017 of any position. And that's who guards the tight end. And TJ Hawkinson still went 8 for 97 and a touchdown. DeAndre Swift touched the ball 19 times. Fantastic. Workhorse wo- roll, right? Jamal Williams touched it 17 times. And you don't care because you want both of those things. You want Jamal Williams with 17 catches, uh, touches. You want DeAndre Swift with, with 19 touches. And both will be viable. I think I made a bet that Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift are going to be both be R, at least RB2 or better this year. And I still think that's the case. I think that this game shows you what the Lions game scripts are going to look like this year. They're going to be down. They just lost Jeff Okuda, who is a great young cornerback prospect who was having a great camp. And then he's he went down. He's gonna miss a season. 
their already terrible defense was even is even worse now. It's it's going to be bad on defense for for the Lions, and they're going to have to throw, and they're not going to throw to Khalif Raymond or Amon Ross St. Brown or Tyrell Williams or Quintez Cephas or Trinity Benson. Those guys will get it every once in a while something to keep the defense honest. But it's TJ Hawkinson, it's DeAndre Swift, it's Jamal Williams, and these guys are going to continue to be fantasy viable throughout the season. Yeah, week one went about as uh, perfect as you possibly could have asked for it to go um, for you, Tim. Since you were a Hawk Swift and Williams fan. In terms of the Lions, at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, DeAndre Swift, we all liked DeAndre Swift and thought he had massive upside at his ADP. And, man, he really showed that in week one. It's going to be fun to see if that offense could keep keep producing. Because I'm scared they'll have some games where they struggle to even score a touchdown. But time will tell. So that went pretty perfectly, as Michael as Michael said. Uh, these are some things that didn't go as perfectly. Uh, this one is the, the uh, surprise. Surprise, motherfucker. Yo, Dexter coming back? I'm hyped. Just putting Bird. that out there. Um, so my first, I'm going to go first because my first surprise surprise was Brandon Ayuk, and we already talked extens- extensively about Brandon Ayuk. So I'm just going to put that there, Brandon Ayuk. Yep. Michael, who's your first? My first, I thought this one was just funny and I had to be shouted out this dude because it honestly came out of nowhere and he had the same amount of targets as Justin Jefferson. KJ Osborne yeah, what of the, the Minnesota Vikings. F- what the hell? Yeah, a rookie last season who did not see a single cat who did not catch a single ball um comes in week 1, 9 targets, 7 receptions and 76 yards. Chad B was put on IR prior to the season. Um KJ Osborne apparently earned that wide receiver three role. And we're looking at an offense that lost Kyle Rudolph, that lost Irv Smith. I I I don't think KJ Osborne's gonna keep getting productive touches because we've seen in the past that Minnesota really funnels to two guys, Thielen and Jefferson, and sometimes a tight end and such. But this was a big surprise because I mean, I don't Vegas probably didn't even have an over under for KJ Osborne uh-huh. in terms of catches or receptions, but if they did it probably would have been half a catch and like eight and a half yards. And to go seven catches on nine targets and be involved in the offense like that was very interesting. And I mean, in the in super deep leagues, maybe keep an eye on him. We'll see what happens in week two. Minnesota also had to throw a ton because they were trailing the majority of the game. But man, that was a, definitely a shock to me. Yeah. Also, Dalvin Cook getting not a single catch. Definitely something yeah, that's there was uh, shocking. Some, yeah, there's some strange stuff happening in week one, but I'm not – you can't overthink week one too much either when it comes to guys like Dalvin Cook. Very true. Um, I'm going to go in the same game. I'm going to keep it with – the and it's the Bengals' offense. Like, I really was down on the Bengals' offense because I thought that Joe Burrow would play scared in his first game back like he had been in the preseason. And you know what you can learn from week one, the most important lesson from week one? Don't overreact to the preseason. Because there's so many overreactions to the preseason, and no no better example than the Cincinnati Bengals, who everyone was like, Joe Burrow's done, he's he's he can't make a throw anymore. Uh, Jamar Chase, he drops everything, and he needs white lines to see. Sometimes you just gotta step back, and I'm I'm as guilty as the, as anyone. So, Joe Burrow, this is something that I missed because of all that. Twenty for twenty seven, two sixty one, and two touchdowns. Um, he didn't play like, fantasy-wise great, but he supported a lot of great fantasy players. Joe Mixon, 29 carries, 
that's a lot of carries for 127 yards and a touchdown. That's a lot of work. That's a that's a guy who, if he continues to get that work, and you know, Joe Mixon has that injury history, and he he did leave the field for a certain amount of time. So just be aware of that. But you know, we're not Joe Mixon fans here. If he can, if he gets, if he touches the ball 32 times a game, like Cincinnati's not going to be times a game. Cincinnati's not going to be leading by two touchdowns every game where they no. start running the ball a lot like that. So let's not forget that Joe Burrow was on pace to like break rookie passing attempt records last year prior to his injury. That's true. They did take a big lead early in this game. So definitely some game script involved there, but you got to give credit where credit is due. Joe Mixon put in no, a, a, a good, good fantasy game. game. So did Jamar Chase. Five receptions for 101 yards and a touchdown, including the big touchdown where he was very open after people were talking about separation issues. Um, yes, he did. T. Higgins put a tu- puts in a touchdown on four receptions. Tyler Boyd, who I thought was the best play in this game because the offense was going to be conservative and Joe Burrow was going to uh, check down a lot. It was the exact opposite. Flipped on its head. Is that Tyler Boyd three for thirty two? Man. So also the whole the whole Bengals team surprise. Chase played more snaps than both Higgins and Boyd, and I just want to say, I mean, I I said it this off season too. Like, I was not interested in Tyler Boyd at all. I don't have a single share of Tyler Boyd because we're talking about an offense with two alpha wide receivers next to him. Like I understand he's been consistent in the past and you know he's a good slot guy, but why would you take the receiver on a team with two alpha wide receivers? One who had a very nice rookie season and could continue to break out, who scored a touchdown this game. And then a guy who got taken fourth overall and fifth overall in Jamar Chase. It's like I didn't really understand it, but the coming out party for Jamar Chase, a lot of people probably thought it wasn't going to be week one after the reports and stuff, but looking like it is. I'm very glad I got him in our home league, especially now that Judy is out. I'm just going to insert Jamar Chase into that slot. But it was def- certainly a very good start for, for Jamar Chase. Uh, that is our surprises. Speaking of good starts, though, our next segment is the stock rising segment. Guys whose value has skyrocketed after week one. Something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. Now, right now, John, the stock trades over the counter at 10 cents a share. And by the way, John, our analysts indicate it could go a heck of a lot higher than that. We are looking at a grand slam home run. Michael, I'm going to rub this in your face, kid. Oh, boy. Mike Williams, kid. Mike Williams. 12 targets, 8 receptions, a couple of bad drops, too. Let and, me just say one thing about Mike Hold on, Tim. hold on. No, because I'm not done. Because, no, maybe you're thinking about Jason or something. I didn't absolutely hate Mike Williams, all right? I hated him in best ball when he was going in the 7th round. But I have Mike Williams, actually, I checked. You I actually do. On like, on, like, 3 of my teams. You do, you do. So, I was taking give the you upside shot on him Fine. on some teams. Then <laughs> you look like Jason, so I'm going to take it out on you. Fine. Mike Williams, 12 targets, 82 yards and a touchdown. He had a couple of bad drops, and they still went back to him. Keenan Allen doing his Keenan Allen thing, 9 for nine for 100. And, and then Jared Cook got five receptions, but Jalen Guyton had no no real, like there's was no real factor. K.J. Hill was no real factor. Josh Palmer, 1 for 17. And this is, on, this is in a game where Herbert threw the ball 47 times. And Eckler, zero catches. That's something I'll be talking about in a little bit. I wanted to keep that uh keep that under wraps for right now. Okay. But I think okay. it's very clear that Mike Williams is going to be a major getter of targets with Justin Herbert, a more traditional quarterback. And you 
it's you can't just brush this off because I'm going to talk about Austin, Austin Eckler in a second. You can't just brush this off because it's a new coaching staff with new ideas and new and a new offense. So when you see a guy get 12 targets in his first game in a new offense, and this guy was formerly the seventh overall pick, you take notice, especially after what Corey Davis did last year. I'm very happy to be rostering Mike Williams in a lot of leagues, and his stock is way up. So he's All my first the way one. up. He's my first one, Mike Williams. All right. You want my first one, Tim? I do. My first one is the guy who – there were two running backs that – I think over the last two weeks, I flipped a lot on. Um, one of them was Trey Sermon, unfortunately. When they cut Wayne Gallman, I was like, oh, this is great for Trey Sermon. And after wanting zero part of Trey Sermon, I fell for it and drafted him on a couple teams. Luckily, I still don't roster him very much because week one, he was a healthy cut. But the other guy who Gosh. started growing on me a bit and on one of our more recent podcasts, I forget which one, I said, what if people are just wrong on him and he meets the potential that made him a first-round pick last season, and that was Miles Sanders. And he had a tremendous first game, man. He had 16 rush attempts, 75, 74 rushing yards, five targets, four receptions, and 39 receiving yards, and got the two-point conversion. Put up 15 half PPR fantasy points without scoring a touchdown. That offense looked dynamic. I know they're playing Atlanta, but it looked a lot better than it did last season with a full offseason for Jalen Hurts to learn the system and to just grow as a quarterback. Miles Sanders was the guy there, and you love to see five targets after he had a very effective pass-catching season as a rookie and then struggled in that department last year. And Kenneth Gainwell had a decent amount of work too, but Boston Scott was a nobody. He didn't play, and Miles Sanders got the vast majority of touches in that backfield. And I think it's going to continue happening. 20 touches for any running back is a great sign. And when you're the caliber player that Miles Sanders is, you could do a lot with those 20 touches. So if this continues on, Miles Sanders could find himself back into weekly RB1 territory weekly. Oh, I just said weekly twice. But yeah, he could be back into that territory if he continues playing like this. Because I don't think we ever doubted the skill with Miles Sanders. It was more so just the... It seemed as though the coaches just didn't want to give him that workhorse type role. That workhorse type role is basically 20 plus touches, and he hit 20 touches in just in week one already. So, well, I'm very interested to see if that keeps up. New coaching staff. That's an, yeah. another, another new coaching staff. Well, let's see real quick. He had 19 touches. Excuse me. He had five targets, four receptions, but still. Um, so, so, Michael, your, your guy is stock up, and I agree, Miles Sanders' stock is definitely up. He's his stock is up because of exactly the reason that he had a great game, right? He had a really good game. 15 points he gets you he, that's a good game in fantasy. Sometimes though, a player can have a decent game, not a great game, an okay game, and a revelation could happen. And that's exactly what happened with Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson is if you're if you drafted Antonio Gibson, you got about if you're in if you're in half point PPR, you got about like twelve and a half points out of him. Not something that you're like, oh man, this is this sucks. He was my RB one slash RB two. Like Antonio Gibson carried the ball twenty times. JD McKissick carried the ball once. Antonio Gibson had three catches. JD McKissick McKissick had zero catches. That is phenomenal news. 
that is great, great news. Because now it seems that the reports that, oh, they're going to use Antonio Gibson in a workhorse role, they're gonna, he's going to be the Christian McCaffrey. I'm not saying they're 100% going to... 100% going to happen. He's the next Christian McCaffrey. But what I am telling you is this is a great sign towards that. So if I roster Antonio Gibson, which I do in a few leagues, I'm ecstatic even though he didn't have the best week for me because I'm looking long-term. And I think his stock is yeah. way up. And he's someone who, because he didn't have the best week, maybe you can flip for him. Maybe you can, like, for example, I know I might be, I might be wilding out, but if I had Austin Eckler... I'd offer a trade for for Antonio Gibson and maybe another piece. Like, I'd be comfortable with that because Austin Eckler, on the other hand, I'm going to talk about him in a second, had a kind of a different day. But, yeah, Michael, right. what are your thoughts? Yeah, Antonio Gibson was definitely a positive seeing his workload um, last week. He needs to find the end zone, obviously, to have that huge game. That's how it works for everybody. And... Players just don't find the end zone every week. No one's panicking about Devontae Adams, right? Even though Devontae Adams had a game that's probably going to be outside the top 36, which I don't even think he did once last season. Um, you got to be happy about it. And I do think for people who just box score watch, you it wouldn't be, like you said, it wouldn't be a bad idea to maybe dangle an offer out there, see if you could get Antonio Gibson manager to bite. Um, Michael, who's your, who's your last guy? My second stock rising, another shout-out to Jason. Um Tyler Higby um, played every single snap last week. Well, yesterday, since they played Sunday night. Well, all games are yesterday. It's Monday. But last night, five of six targets for 68 yards. Doesn't jump off the page. But he played every single offensive snap and got six targets, which was more targets than Robert Woods saw and more than Van Jefferson. was second on the team behind only Cooper Cup. And that is something you want in fantasy football. We've seen Higby perform in the past when he gets the targets. So definitely a step in the right direction and someone worth targeting if you're in need of tight ends and the manager just sees five catches, 68 yards, and doesn't think anything else of it. Uh, my third stock rising is Elijah Mitchell, but we're going to talk about him tomorrow on the on the uh, the podcast now that – because I made this list before the news broke that Raheem Mostert had a knee injury. So I was – I even thought Elijah Mitchell was rising – even if Raheem Mostert was going to play next week. Um, Michael, do you have a third? No, it's a, just two apiece. That, that's true. I added a third. I added a third as a... All right, so let's do it Broto style and end on that sour note. <laughs> Stock down. The worst day on Wall Street since the crash of 1987. The Dow traders are standing there watching in amazement. I don't blame them. We're now down 43%. Almost everything there completely wiped out. And the NASDAQ, everything and more has been completely wiped out. Let's talk about the speed with which we are watching this market deteriorate. I got to tell you, now that I'm a father, that is is the scariest one. That's the scariest 30 seconds that there is right there. The entire stock market falling 47%. Good, good night. All right. Um, with that being said, I'm going to go first because my first stock falling is Aaron Rodgers. I was under the impression that Aaron Rodgers was going to come into this this year mentally focused, ready to go, have another Aaron Rodgers year. But that's not what he did. He did the opposite of that. He didn't come focused. He was holding out for 
over and over and over and over and over for days and days and days and days. He was fighting with the team. He was holding press conferences. He was dating movie stars. He was on tropical paradise vacations. Could he come back and be the GOAT next week? Sure. But am I starting him? No, because guess what? Aaron Rodgers, before last year, had two years where he was not fantasy viable. So we have an, a, a situation where our Aaron Rodgers wasn't fantasy viable, like for real. We know that already. And there's other quarterbacks out there who I, I'd rather have at this point. Unfortunately. Am I going to keep? Am I going to dr- cut Aaron Rodgers? Absolutely not. But if he has another bad game and then another one, if he has three get bad games in a row, I'm cutting the shit out of Aaron Rodgers. And Thanks. and that's way way lower than his. I have him ranked as QB eight on the season, so that's way way lower. So I think his stock is falling way down with this because it was ugly and it was just not a showing of a goat. Goats don't have those type of performances. Yeah, definitely not a good performance by any stretch, but I'm also not going to go crazy when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. Um, we'll see how next week goes. I do think he'll bounce back, but I think you might be uh, overreacting a tad bit. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an overreaction. But, I mean, I told people not to drop him. Don't go too far. The next guy I'm not overreacting on, but, Michael, I'm going to let you go first. What about me? Who's your, who's your first guy? My first guy is uh, James Robinson. Oh, boy. Stock way down. I didn't even think about him. Woof. What a waste of a draft pick. I basically said as a joke, what happened if Urban Meyer decides to just split the backfield between James Robinson and Carlos Hyde? I said it as a joke. And then he gives Carlos Hyde nine rushes to James Robinson six. James Robinson still – so James Robinson's five, excuse me. James Robinson still played a lot uh, more snaps than Carlos Hyde did. But, I mean, five rushes, 25 yards – three receptions and 29 yards. The Jacksonville offense and defense, like they look like they're going to compete for the number one overall pick again this season because to get dominated by the Houston Texans is just a joke. Um, so James Robinson, clearly he's not going to be the guy he was last season. I don't think that's it. I don't think that's in any doubt at this point. Like he's not going to be getting 30 touches a game. And this offense just doesn't even look as good as it did last year in terms of efficiency or just volume for, for James Robinson. So volume was his lifeline. So certainly stock down for James Robinson. I got another guy whose stock is down. It's, it's literally because he had a zero in the catches column. That's Austin Eckler. The guy had a hamstring injury, and then he had zero catches. I'm scared. I'm shook. I am. If I'm Austin Eckler rosterer, I would try and trade him for an upgrade at running back at this point before it's too late. I just I just don't I don't like to see Austin Eckler with no targets after a bad after a hammy. That's just not that's not what I'm trying to see. And I think that I'm 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 on full tilt on Eckler right now. I might I might regret this. I might regret this after especially after week 1. But I'm like full tilting on Eckler right now. I just I don't want Austin Eckler as a 15 carry back. I don't want him. His his value comes in the passing game. And if Justin Herbert's not going to pass the ball to running backs, I'm scared. I'm a scared. Michael, I'm a scared. Yeah, I think you're bugging out a little bit, Tim. Um, you know, he also had zero catches week one of last year, he right? Had one catch. One catch. Okay, so I'm not I'm not bugging out too much. Like you said, Dalvin Cook also had zero catches. There were some weird games and weird game scripts happening. I'm not going to be scared about Austin Leckler. 
especially because he had a goal line touchdown, a three within the five. He ran from the three, which is great to see because people were scared that wasn't going to happen. So I'm not I'm not overreacting to Austin Eckler's week one performance. Who's your last guy, Mike? My last guy is Saquon Barkley. Oh, yeah. Not because of, like, yeah, he only he played less than 50% of snaps. No, I don't care about that. That was expected. It's because he played less than 50% of snaps, and he didn't look super explosive, and the Giants offense as a whole looks like it's going to be one of the worst units in the league. So when you're when you get a lot of rushes on a bad team stacking the box, unless you break one out, going to be disappointed. This guy had 10 rushes for 26 yards, three targets, one catch, one yard. Obviously, he's going to continue getting work as the season progresses, and maybe he won't. Like, I don't expect him to be this bad the entire season, fantasy-wise, where he just had a 3.2-point game. But we're also talking about a guy who has had multiple surgeries over the last couple of years. Even when he was healthy two years ago, he wasn't quite the running back that you wanted when you were taking him second overall. And it's hard to just keep coming back from bad leg injuries as a running back. So we'll see how it goes. But for now, like, I don't see how you could possibly rank Saquon within the top, like, 15 running backs going into next week. I'm certainly not going to do that. But we'll see how it goes for Saquon. But so far, not great. And with that, we conclude our Monday episode. Come back and join us tomorrow where we will be going over the waiver pod uh, that is available on patreon.com slash brotofantasy. The most, the most important pod that we do. What? I just realized we skipped my second surprise. Surprise. What? We skipped my second surprise. Surprise, Tim. Who's your second surprise? Surprise. It was uh, Mark Ingram. Oh, shit, we did. Go ahead, talk about Mark Ingram for a second before we sign off. I mean, the guy had 26 rushes, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Absolutely hilarious. (laughs) Johnson also had a touchdown. Philip Lindsay also had a touchdown. If you could sell high on Brandon Cooks, please sell him. If you could sell high on the Houston offense, do it immediately. People are hyped saying, I told you Brandon Cooks was going to be nasty this year. He's always nasty. The dude played against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense, and one of the catches was like a 50-yard heave downfield by Taylor, which isn't going to happen every week. I'd be selling Cooks to right away. Facts. To anyone who thinks he's going to be like a wide receiver two option weekly this year because I do not see that happening. Austin Eckler and Brandon Cooks for Antonio Gibson. Done. Just kidding. I know you would do that. I would. No, and one I was I was going to say and like uh, uh Actually, I consider it. Like our, versus like, Gibson right now is a tough one. Well, I would put a I would put a, a another wide receiver in that in that deal or like a tight end, like a Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby. Also, so uh, all right, Antonio Gibson and Tyler Higby for them too. What do you think? It's a decent deal. <laughs> all right, Mike, where can they find you? At Brodo FF Mike. Find me at Brodo FF Tim. You can find Jason at Brodo FF Jason. You can find Cass at Brodo FF Casanova. See what we did there. <laughs> Branding. Uh, at Brodo Fantasy is the place to find us on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, Twitter's where we're mostly at, so come check us out there. And, yeah, that's all. Patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy. Download the Fantasy Football by Broto app, and we are 
out. Later. Later. All right.